And we are live with the first RX Coffee podcast, and we decided to keep that name. Today's first guest is a good friend of mine, Christian Bazzotto, who is an entrepreneur, owner of Focus Movement Academy. He is a warrior, obstacle course racer, proponent of building better human beings. He is a father to one of the fittest kids, Mila Star FMA, in the world, was featured in Men's Health, is a uh, fit aid or life aid, sponsored athlete, all around good dude. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? Excited to be here. So first of all, what is Focus Movement Academy for all the listeners out there? So Focus Movement Academy, um, I guess breaking down to the basics of being like a Spartan SGX coach, they have a hashtag building better humans. That's my life mission is building better humans. I do that mostly through obstacle course racing. It's a sport that, uh, you know, basically is designed around adversity. It's designed around obstacles and getting through the shit and walking through the mud and putting yourself through difficult situations to where just a glass of water becomes amazing. Those things change your state of mind. Those things are transcendent experiences. So at Focus Movement Academy, we basically want to develop a warrior mindset and we do that through obstacle course racing. And for people who don't know, what is SGX training? Oh, yes. True that. Uh, so SGX is the official training program of Spartan Race. I'm a level two coach, uh, level two Spartan SGX coach, and a CrossFit level one coach. And if people want to come check out your gym, tell them about your, you know, your Instagram, where you're located. Do you have certain days that it could be good for them to, to drop in and, and try working out there? What would you suggest? If you want to get the full race experience, Wednesdays are amazing. Warrior Wednesday brings the heat, and Saturdays are basically like a Spartan sprint kind of output situation. The, the Saturday workout probably involves two to four miles of running, 30-plus obstacles. Tire flips, spear throws. Tire flips, spear throw, the, the entire thing that you would experience in an actual obstacle course race, we prepare you for all of that. You can find us at, at Focused Movement Academy or FMAMiami.com. Awesome. If you haven't been there, check it out. I love going in there at least once a month, getting my warrior obstacle course racing on. So how did you find obstacle course racing? It's not a sport that most people get into. How did it first come about? What got you piqued your interest in it? How did you go down that road? So I, uh, well, first obstacle course race, I was hanging out at a CrossFit gym. I was going through a life journey. I was in the process of losing 100 pounds. I stumbled into CrossFit 305 and then CrossFit A1A because uh, my little brother was going there. So I got into CrossFit. Through CrossFit, I got into this uh, beach workout program that they had every Saturday the elements were very important to me. The Being in the sand, being in the ocean, it was an equalizer. It wasn't just how much weight you could move or how fast you could move. You really had to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation when you're in the water, especially when we would do workouts in the water at night. So uh, through that, a group of us got, decided to get ready for a Tough Mudder, and I started putting together a program to get 10 of us uh, ready for Tough Mudder. And as we were running Tough Mudder, you know, I was like, man, we should do this for a living. At this time, I'm already, a, I was coaching at that facility. 
And one of the other coaches was like, we do this for a living. And I'm like, no, no, we do CrossFit. We should specifically coach obstacle course racing. Like there should be a place where you could throw a spear, climb walls, cross ropes, and do all the things that we're doing right now specifically for this sport. And that was basically, at that Tough Mudder, was the inception of Focused Movement Academy. And how many years ago was this? That was three years ago. Three years ago. Did people look at you like you were crazy when you were talking about wanting to do this? Uh, not necessarily crazy. Most people thought it was cool. Most people thought it was going to fail. Okay. And you mentioned the whole losing 100 pounds. Go into that scenario because I think that's motivational for people to talk about getting over failures or being in a bad place in their life, you know, uh, trying to improve your life. Like you talked about building better humans. Like how did you do that for yourself? What kind of spot were you in in life then? If you can go through that scenario and explain it to anybody who's listening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I could inspire anybody to just take that first step, you know, that's what I would want to do. The reality is I was in a bad spot in many ways when I started that journey. My wife left I was broke in every sense of the word. I was physically broke. I had just, I was recovering from a motorcycle accident where I broke my back and my leg was a mess and my shoulder up until very recently, 10 years later, was a mess. Um, I was financially not in a good place and I just had excuses why all these things were going on. The fact is I had this little kid at home that looked up at me every single day like I was a superhero but I was really super nothing, but I had the opportunity to change myself before she got to realize that. You know, when I started, when I started this, this journey, I would go to the beach and I, I couldn't, I would have a hard time running from one garbage can to the other, you know, like the garbage cans are like 50 feet apart. The sand does make it harder to run. And I would run from one garbage can to the other and then I would walk to the next garbage can. And then I would run another garbage can. And then I would walk a garbage can. And slowly but surely, you know, things started to change. I started losing weight. The most important thing that started to change was mentally I started to become a different person. Through changing physically, I started realizing patterns in my life that I had to take responsibility for. And I, I realized it, you really just have to make that decision, right? You have to decide that whatever it is that you want, you're going to go after it regardless if the people closest to you think you are ridiculous. And believe me, it's the people closest to you that are going to knock you down when you weigh 300 pounds and you're like, I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm going to become you know, a bodybuilder, or I'm going to lose all this weight and I'm going to just live a better life or be an obstacle course racer or pick up a new skill, whatever it is that you want to do with your life. If you're not living to your maximum potential, it's very likely that the people around you have a lot to do with that. And for me, I had to cut away a lot of the things around me to basically just be on a path of these are the things that I want to accomplish. You know, this is what I want my kid to see when she thinks of her dad and more importantly this is what i want for my kid like i don't want my daughter ever to be in a position where she needs to lose 100 pounds but it's one thing to like tell kids the way you want them to be it's different to just be what you want your kid to be like 
you know, my kid is a very much an example of my life and I lead by example, you know, when I, when I'm at the, at work, like I don't mind being the first person there and the last person to leave. It is my mission. And, you know, through that, through losing that hundred pounds, I know how difficult it is. You know, I realize now how important it is to be in the position that I'm in and to have an opportunity to possibly inspire somebody else to go through a journey like that. It's not easy. You just got to take that first step. You could run a marathon right now. You just need to put one foot in front of the other. That's an inspiring story. Um, You know, I think too many people get caught up these days and listening to the negativity around them. I was having a conversation with somebody recently and they were talking about other people's drama, just going on about other people's drama. And I was trying to tell this person, cut those people out of your life. Like you don't need other people's drama, cut the negativity. And like you're mentioning, sometimes it is the people closest around you that can be the most negative and you get caught up in that and you don't realize it. And then you might say something negative because of it when you're talking to somebody else and then you're dragging other people into that negativity and it's not fair to do that to them. I caught myself because I had that conversation with that other person then they were talking about other people's drama and negativity. Then when I was talking to one of my best friends on the phone, and I realized I was being negative because of that. And I either have to cut that person out of my life or be, ha- make sure that they cut those other people out of their life. It's You don't really need that. It's not a good thing. It's like you're in a pool with everybody. The person drowning's tugging at your leg. You know, Sometimes you've got to calm them down. Uh, otherwise, they're going to drag you in kicking and screaming. I guess that's a good example to, to put it. Yeah, it's infectious for sure, right? If... Uh one negative thought leads to another. And if you're in a group of people, you know, with negative stuff going on in their minds, it becomes like a one-up scenario. Oh, you think you had a bad day? Well, this is how bad my day was. Oh, you think that was bad? Well, it's not a competition to see how shit your day was. The good part is it's infectious in both directions. If you walk in with a totally different mindset, I had the best day today. I challenge you to have a better day than me. I'll be happy for you. I'm not going to be jealous. I, I had a fantastic day. I hope you had just as good a day as I had. Tell me about it. Exactly. Exactly. The positivity. One of the things I've noticed when I've been at your gym at FMA is the positivity around everybody. If you can't do an obstacle, somebody else shows you how to do it. There's that teamwork and that spirit. One of the things I want to touch on, too, you kept mentioning your daughter, Mila. Uh, if you, I want you to talk about, because I remember when she did the battle frog race that really kind of catapulted her to to stardom i mean if nobody knows your daughter is known nationwide as one of the fittest kids it's what hashtag inspiration for the ipad generation she did it to she ran this 24-hour race that battle frog used to have which i think six laps was something to the tune of 30 miles in 24 hours and this was all to raise awareness for bullying. She set an example for kids across the country, was on news outlets. She has numerous followers on Instagram, endorsements, I think. Um, she's just been a real inspiration. This is something, I, I, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, she wanted to do. She reached out to you, and you guys had to sign a special waiver to even do the race because she did it with the adults. And she did more better than most of the adults, and you were there with her every step of the way. If you can just go into that story and how that developed. Every step of the way, my little sidekick. Um, We'll go backwards in time a little bit into why that story had to develop. She was being bullied at school when she was in the second grade. And, you know, the the reality is that kids think you know what you're doing as a parent. We don't know shit. I was a kid (laughs) fucking yesterday, right? Still are. I feel like. Still are. 100%. Still am. So, uh, 
you know, I'm like, man, the responsible thing right now is to go to the school, you know, talk to whoever I need to talk to in the office, bring light to the situation. And that had a very negative effect on the rest of my daughter's second grade year at school. Uh, she was mad that she told me because she was mad that in turn I told the school and then the, you know, the kid obviously knew that she was a tattletale or whatever the situation was. So that happens. Uh, the school year ends, vacation, all that good stuff. New school year, new kids in the class, and she's being bullied again. The difference is she wouldn't tell me she was being bullied this time around because she didn't want me reaching out to the school. She didn't want any extra embarrassment on top of the pain she felt inside about you know, not wanting to go to school, not wanting to feel threatened in school. So she told two of the guys at my gym, and basically she was like, please don't tell my dad I'm being bullied. Their response was, uh, I think it was Josh's response, you know, Josh that we live with. Shout out to the bear Jew. <laughs> he, uh, he told her, he's like, he's like, that kid comes near you. He's like, just kick him in the balls. And your dad will be fine with it when the school calls, which obviously resorting to violence is not ideal, right? Especially starting at a young age. However, you know, they obviously came to me after she brought this up to her and I realized what was going on. And I started to realize her mindset a little bit of why she didn't want me reaching out to the teachers and all this other stuff. So the mission now was no longer, you know, obviously I'm not going to go beat up a seven-year-old. Um, and obviously the school thing doesn't work. You know, what's next? The next part was empowering her. You know, she started working out. She's started working with a boxing coach inside FMA during the, the hours we weren't open. And she really took her training to another level. She started seeing the things that the adults were doing in the gym and she's like, I can do that. I can do muscle ups. I can climb the rope. I can do everything that everybody else is doing. And she started to feel empowered. That empowerment, what going back to what I said earlier about obstacle course racing being a transcendent thing, that empowerment started to make her feel strong and make her feel she was capable of whatever she set her mind to, which is what you want as a father. You want a powerful little girl that is not going to think that some guy in a position of power can whip his pants out like all these things that you're seeing in the media right now because you're a weak woman and you're trying to get ahead of life or you're just trying to make way, right? You're, you're just trying to, to get through life and you have to deal with this kind of shit. I want to raise the type of kid where some Harvey fucking Weinstein situation happens. She fucking cuts the guy's dick off and shoves it down his throat. That's the girl that <laughs> I started slaps an arm raising. bar on him or something like you know? that. So, uh, so that being said, she asked me if she could participate in a battle frog race. So I had friends at battle frog. I hit them up. I'm like, Hey, you know, my kid wants to do this battle frog race. Uh, she want, you know, I'm registered for the elite wave. She wants to run with me. I'll run next to her the entire time. The dude calls me back. He's like, all good. This will be fun. You know, make sure she's fine. Obviously, uh, I'm an obstacle course racing coach number two but number one i'm her dad i don't want anything to happen to her so 
her safety was my top priority. The race starts and, uh, you know, we take off. She crushes the first lap. As we were coming around, it was a two-lap race. It was 15 kilometers. As we were coming around, she's like, is that the finish line? And I'm like, we only did one lap. I'm like, look, if you're tired, champ, we can stop right now. Like, we don't have to do the second lap. And she books it and takes off. And, uh, and off we are on the second lap, finishing the 15K Battle Frog race. She had an awesome time, which is great. We got to bond in a way that we never were capable of doing before that. But more importantly, she now felt like Wonder Woman. She felt like the characters that she looks up to on TV. She was now that character. And with that, she's, uh, you know, keeps training. Now she's pushing even harder. Now she's like, I'm going to do a Spartan race. There's a Spartan race coming up a few weeks later. So I sign her up and she runs a Spartan race, the adult race, not the kids race. Doesn't miss a single obstacle, crushes everything, crushes the rig, except for the spear throw, but crushes everything. Hey, I'm not good at throwing spears either. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you get it once in a while. So, uh, so through that, she's like, Hey, I want to do the next battle frog race, the BFX, which is four laps. So I, I reach out to battle frog and the guy's like, there's no, you know, there's no four lap race. There's only the 24 hour race coming up. So I'm like, all right, all good. So driving to school that day, the next day, I'm like, champ, there's no four lap battle frog. There's only a 24 hour race coming up. And she's like, well, you're a coach just trained me to do the 24 hour race. And I'm like, what was going through your head when she asked that question? So two things, one, I'm like, I'm like, this might be ridiculous, right? I'm like, you know, the initial stuff going through my head is like, there's no way this is ridiculous. And then I thought, well, realistically, she could do it if we go at an easy pace. Like she doesn't have a lot of load to carry on her little hands through the obstacles. So she should be able to muscle through some of that stuff pretty easily. And if we go at an easy pace, take time to eat, take time to meditate, you know, take naps here and there, you know, there's, there's no reason realistically she wouldn't be able to do it. And if she can't do it, the race is local. We just, pack it in and and leave like super it's easy. not an easy course either because i came out there the day that was the day after my birthday it was and i came out there with your brother and his wife and we jumped in and i did like maybe half a lap you know i might may or may not have been having some adult beverages the night before and uh it's not an easy course it definitely wasn't an easy course it was not easy um it was fun the uh you know some of the cool parts of that course was really some of the lap that we ran in the middle of the night, <clears throat> that was the real test for her was um, how strong are you really on the inside? How strong are you really running through the woods with a headlamp on hearing noises? You know, And that was really, uh... I'll pause it. I think we're still going now. We're still going. We're back on. We Something's didn't. recording because the red light's blinking. So, all right. We tried Middle of the night, it. we have 
We have uh, Mad Mike. We have Mr. F in the background. If you hear anything being chewed on, that's not Christian or I. That is Mr. F playing with his toys in the background. He is a, what kind of dog is he again? He's a Dogo Argentino. Uh, he's a big boy. He is the official, unofficial mascot of Focus Movement Academy. So getting while, back to the story if we want. or And real quick, while we have all these interruptions, Mike, his food is in a, in a thing inside the fridge if you want to just feed this fat bastard. He's actually not fat. He's super lean. He's the most athletic-looking dog I've ever seen in my life. So I don't want to hurt his sensitive feelings. I'm just, I told you. You know, Mike, you could fill the role of young Jamie if you want. Like on the Joe Rogan podcast. (laughs) All right, so. Yeah, so we're running through the night, and, and that really was the test. The obstacles, you know, even though the obstacles are tough, she kind of is doing obstacles every day at this point for hours. Like she, you know, not like, you know, a lot of people took the hours that she's training and try to spin that in a negative way. She's a little kid. She gets out of school and she would be at FMA three hours every day, 4 p.m. kids class, 5 p.m. kids class. And at the time, the 6 p.m. adult class, that's just what she was doing. Like she's just to her, she's a little kid running around having fun. So physically, she was fully capable. Mentally, running through the woods at night, that's when you started to see something change in her demeanor. That's there when you started. There's saltwater crocodiles in that area? There absolutely there, are. That salt. was by, for anybody that doesn't know, that race was over by Key and I'm pretty sure that that's like where American crocodiles are, saltwater crocs. There's a sanctuary. For alligators. Them. But for the people that don't realize, Florida is... I think the only place in the world where crocodiles and alligators coexist unless it's like a farm or something like that maybe texas i don't know but continue like I, that's what i always think about when i'm running near a lake of water like is there an alligator is there a crocodile in there so yeah a she did i'm sure that was going through her head she definitely was having some thoughts as we were running at night and uh and i told her i'm like look i'm like you should have ate something the lap before when we were going through I'm like, you're letting a few things get in your head. You're probably hungry. I'm like, let's finish out this lap, and then we'll eat, and then we'll reassess if you want to go out for another lap. And she's, she like took a deep breath, and she was like, okay, let's go. And she went back to running the woods. But you could really see that for a minute or several minutes, I guess, it really got into her head. Every little sound, she's, she was no longer focused on her stride or her run. She was focused on all the little sounds you hear when you're in the woods in the middle of the night, and there's a lot of them, and they're scary when you're a little girl, when you're nine years old. Yeah, especially in South Florida. This isn't like being in other states where you, know, you don't have to worry about things that can eat you with their face. You know, we got, what, there's all kinds of crazy exotic animals around here that people dump in the woods. Yeah, 100%. Stuff like that. So going through that race, though, what was it like when you all finished at the end? I remember being there. Uh, How did it feel as a parent, as a father, as a a coach? Oh, man. So as a coach, it was awesome because uh, she really was crushing a lot of stuff. At the time, she was nine years old. You know, to me, like, it, it was awesome just to see her output. Um, as a dad, I was happy because it was my birthday that weekend and it was, uh, was probably like the best birthday gift ever, right? To run a 24 hour obstacle course race with your kid is pretty March 3rd, right? March 4th, 
fourth. All right, yeah. second powerful party. Yeah, Pisces, yeah. yeah. Mr. F is March second too. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, um, you know, as a as a father, that was like the best gift and really the most touching thing. I have a hard time even talking about it was when the race was over and she got on stage and talked about, you know how all these kids really are special inside. They just need to find what makes them special. And I was like, fuck man, like you can't script that shit. This little kid really feels special now. Like she found what makes her feel special. And not every kid needs to obstacle course race for some kids. It might be playing basketball or it might be racing go-karts or bow hunting or whatever it is. You just got to do you. And you just got to find what that you is. And the, it takes a lot of failure to figure that out. And the faster you fail and the faster you figure out what track you want to be on, the faster you can keep it real with life. Some people go their entire life without finding something that completes them, makes them whole, that they really feel special about. I mean, I'm 39 years old. This shit happened like, it feels like last week. Yeah. I was just <laughs> lost in life. So... Another question I have about Mila, when all this happened, when did it really take off? Because she was on news stations across the country. Her social media blew up. Uh, she got a lot of attention. You, the two of you are in men's health. Uh, as fit family, I remember you guys are like holding boxing. You're holding mitts, and she's boxing. Explain all that. How, how did that all go down? Did it happen quickly, overnight? It happened overnight, 100%. In fact, I had some people reach out to me and, uh, and ask, like, you know, how I manage her social media and, you know, how they can get more uh, likes or followers. And I, I'm like, I literally, I don't know shit. Like, I have the worst social media profile. I don't know anything about it. It just, on its own, kind of exploded. Um, you know, she was in the Miami Herald because she was doing the race. And then CBS picked up the story and the story, you know, went, went viral, viral yeah. like, and that was, that was that, you know, when we started having a few prominent people, I guess, I guess prominent would be the word reposting her story. And that's how things kind of exploded. Okay. And does she manage her social media now or does who does that now? So at the time, um, her aunt, Big Mila, same name, (laughs) was managing her social, her Instagram. Um, And now that she's, you know, all grown up a whole two years later, but it feels like 30. She uh, she runs her own Instagram and she, you know, she's. I, I keep it pretty monitored, I guess. Uh, she usually <laughs> asks me before posting stuff. Well, I found out how you bought the Humvee through her Instagram. <laughs> she gave a tour. <laughs> so Christian bought a uh, former military Humvee, and I knew you were talking about it for a while, but I didn't know it actually went down until I saw Mila posting about it, and she like gave a whole video tour of the actual Humvee, which I believe Mr. F is afraid to ride in without the doors in it. He does not like it without the doors. However, she likes it way better without the doors. So it's a give and take. Gotcha. So you have Mila. How did you get into men's health? How did that come about? Because that's a big thing. I mean, most people go their entire lives without getting, I mean, you call it your 15 minutes of fame or whatever. You guys have gotten many, many moments, and I'm sure there's many more to come. But how did that come about? Um, Really, 
you know, most, uh, any time really I've had any media attention is, has been because of Mila. It hasn't really been because of me. Like I'm not super, uh, super important at anything yet, but, um, the men's health thing was actually about my weight loss. So I, I spoke to an editor, um, at a, a Spartan event, I believe. And they were like, look, I'm not necessarily interested in a story about your kid. I'm more interested in the fact that, you know, your kid is the way that she is because you went through this life journey, um, and lost all this weight. And, uh, so that, yeah, that's how that played out. So that was my first real, uh, thing about myself. <laughs> I'm sure there won't, that won't be the last one of the th interesting things, because every time I'm at your gym or I talk to you, like you've lived a ketogenic, keto adapted diet. I know you've tried the carnivore diet, which people listening, if you've never heard of the carnivore diet, there's I think it's Dr. Sean Mullins is his name. He's Baker. The, Sean, uh, Baker. Sean Baker, who is a former MD or is an MD that did an all carnivore diet for over an entire year. And it really helped him out. And I think the guy that did. Um, uh, the documentary is one of the Bell brothers is still on the carnivore diet, looking jacked as ever on Instagram. If you look them up, uh, still doing that type of diet. But if you want to touch on, okay, how the ketogenic diet has been for you for in terms of performance, how you got into that, talk a little bit about different diets that you've tried. Because I know for me personally, I did vegan at one point for 18 months. It was good in the beginning. As I went about it, I actually ran a marathon on it. Um, it didn't work out for me long term. But I'm, for people that are always tinkering with their diets, you know, talk a little bit about that, how you got into that, any other things you've tried. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, I'll start with my, how my diet started. So myself and some of my other fat friends would buy a, a tub of ice cream and scoop half of it out and put it in a bowl and then fill the rest of the thing with frosted flakes and whipped cream. And that was how I went down on watching a movie, eating ice cream. I would eat the tub followed by the bowl that had the ice cream in it also. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was extreme. Like I, I was for sure overweight. I can't say extreme cause there's people out there that weigh 500 pounds. Um, have you, do you talk to any of these friends anymore? Have you tried to help them? Or they just didn't uh, want to come along know, for the ride or what? Some of them have already gone through huge changes. Um, you know, I, I think all the time how inspired I am by my, my buddy Shane, McKinney, he, uh, you know, we were, we used to work together and we were just fat dudes sitting at a computer desk, you know, writing code or whatever. And, uh, and then now he's a competitive bodybuilder. He definitely lost more weight than I have. He looks fantastic, but more important, he now is fantastic. Like his mindset's totally different. Like he's now, I'm not saying he wasn't a great father at the time, but he definitely has a different connection with his family now than he did then. And it's, um, you know, and, and that's fascinating to have, have been able to inspire somebody to go through that. And then how did you get into a keto diet to start with? <clears throat> yeah. So let's, how did so you find out about let's that? Go real quick. We'll, we'll timeline it. So, uh, so I was on a fat kid diet. Um, and then we could get into a, a whole other podcast about why I was, why I went through like 10 years of depression. But, um, I was eating crap and I knew I needed to change my life when, uh, you know, when I made a decision to try and live better, I was listening to like motivational speakers and 
my uh, at one point in time, Mike O'Neill, uh, you know, he has a podcast, a Solopreneur Hour. He got me into Isogenics, and what I, is Isogenics? So Isogenics is like uh, it's like a eating thing, like protein powder type of stuff. You do a shake in the morning, shake in the afternoon, meal for lunch. All the stuff is is really clean. Uh, so that's actually how I started losing a bunch of weight. I went from that to no animal protein. Um, and I did that not because I don't believe in cruelty to animals or all this other crap. I did it because I had convinced myself through the limited knowledge that I had, or maybe I was just reading things that all fed the same kind of idea biasly. Um, I was led to believe that an all plant-based diet would create the most optimal athlete. And I know that someone listening to this is going to bring up some super vegan athlete. That's fine. Go fuck yourself. You can't <laughs> name one person out of fucking 500 million and tell me that their shit works and we should follow that. Cause you know what? You are not that guy. And I definitely am not that guy. So that's what's up. So I did that for a while and my running was, was probably at its best. I had this conversation with Dr. Danny last night, actually, at Joe Rogan. My running was at its best when I was on a plant-based diet. But I don't know for a fact if it was diet-related or just the fact that at the time I could put in 50 miles a week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 50 miles a week starts adding up very quickly. You know, Within 10 weeks, you've now run 500 miles a week. And, um, so my, my endurance, you know, was great at the time, but the rest of my situation was not great. I was plagued with little nuances, shoulder pain, wrist pain, knee pain, this, that, the other, there was always something. And, you know, at one point I was talking to this guy at a yoga studio and he's like, you know, you probably need to eat some eggs. And I'm like, dude, I eat this perfectly balanced plant-based diet and I start rattling off all the stuff that I eat every day. And he's like, I'm just saying, I'm a doctor. I think you should do blood work. I think you need to eat some eggs. I think you need some other, some more protein in your life. Sure enough, I started eating eggs again. I started feeling better. I started getting stronger. And I went, you know, so now I'm eating mostly plant-based diet, eating a lot of eggs. And uh, I got into the ketosis thing because of the understanding that I had that, you know, a glycogen-based diet can store 4,000 calories of fuel. So that's like my fuel cell. On a fat-based diet, I'm storing 40,000 calories of fuel. That's my fuel cell, regardless how much body fat I might have, right? So I don't know what my body fat per percentage is right now. It's probably less than 10. I haven't checked recently, but even then, I'm storing way more fuel than I could store if I ate a bunch of sweet potatoes or clean burning carbohydrates and then went running. So what I wanted is I wanted to be able to compete in 12-hour, 24-hour obstacle course races and carry the least amount of fuel. 
or require the least amount of fuel because I'm burning fuel that's already inside of me. Now, when you're keto adapted, you don't hit like that that wall because runners, people that are runners out there know like it could be a 10, you know, it could be a 10 miles running, 15 miles, 20 miles, whatever it is. If you're not taking enough calories, you run out of that glycogen, you hit that wall, you run out of energy. You bonk. And that doesn't happen if you're keto adapter, right? Because you have 40,000 calories to burn. So the, the idea is you can just keep going, keep burning that fuel, correct? Correct. As long as, you know, you're hydrated and your sodium is in check, um, you can just keep going. And sure enough, you know, when I started the ketogenic diet and I did it for over two years, a lot of people, you know, told me all these things were going to go wrong in my life. I, there, I literally could not think of one single negative impact from being in ketosis other than it sucks when you are super sharp and clear because then you're like, fuck, that means the rest, the 38 years previous to being on this diet, I've been a goddamn idiot, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it sucks in the fact that I'm like, man, all those days I've been hangry. I could have just had that never happen ever had I started doing this from the beginning. And really, I'm like, man, you know, my brother just had a, a daughter and my little niece, the cutest thing in the world, and she's going from ketosis to eating carbohydrates, right? Like she's going from a fat-based diet of breast milk, and, which is, you know, fat and protein. And, uh, and now they're trying to, now they're introducing the baby food. Baby food, Gerber, which they're well, not Gerber. They're well, making it, they make you know, it. like it's the, you know, it's all stuff that they're making at home, but sweet potatoes or whatever it is. And I want, I want this point to be very clear. You can't just feed a baby a steak or, you know, you can't just feed a baby a banana. Like it takes time for them to be able to eat that. They have to adapt to that. You also have to adapt into ketosis. So, if anybody's listening to this and tomorrow they stop eating carbohydrates, cold turkey, and then they go to the gym and they're like, oh, I feel fine today. The next day they're a little weaker and then a little weaker and then a little weaker. And then after two weeks, they're like, this shit doesn't work. I lost a bunch of weight, but I feel like shit. I'm not hitting my numbers. I can't lift any heavy weights. It's called fat adaptive for a reason. It's not a fat switch. You can't just decide to put diesel in your car that takes gasoline. You got to change the powertrain. In this case, you need to adapt to the new fuel. And that, unfortunately, for listeners, could take 12 months, could take 18 months for you to really become efficient at burning fat versus burning glycogen. Yeah, how do you give tips for that? Because I know. Best case scenario for people trying to go into ketosis or go keto adapted, it's going to be two to three weeks. I don't know anybody really that's really done it unless they've really checked their blood within a month or so. I know it takes time because even if you're, it's it's a it's a very hard thing to do. And the excuses I hear about from people about trying to get into a ketogenic adapted diet <clears throat> is it's so difficult to measure the percentages, you know, the ratios, all that stuff because. Let's be honest, unless you have somebody measuring your food constantly, you're never going to know if, if all your macros are specifically correct. But 80, 90% of the time you can. So it's going to take time. And I think people need to have that understanding to do it, right? Yes. And I know you guys have heard the term basic bitch. That's me. And I'm the proudest basic bitch in the world, which is why <laughs> this became super easy. And here's my story. 
I use my fitness pal and I would track everything I would put in my mouth. Literally everything when I was learning the process. I would weigh everything and measuring cup all the food I ate. And I would test my blood two times a day. So I'm pricking my finger, checking millimolar level in the morning and when I go to sleep. And I'm trying to hit a number over one and a half, 1.7. I was usually over 1.7 and that's like my chill spot, like maybe like 2.0. And then I was always below like 3.7. 1.7 to 3.7 was like my, a, a good zone for me. See, I started doing it, I think maybe this first, after the first week of January. And I remember talking to you about, oh, I checked my blood. It was around the very low levels, maybe starting to reach ketosis. And you're like, don't even worry about checking it for a while. And I've talked to other people that are on keto diets and they're like, oh, you might go through a phase where you're getting tired or weakening. And I did go through a phase where for a couple of weeks, I felt like I got weaker. Or I didn't have as much energy and I just pushed through it. And I feel great now for the most part. Uh, but I'm not concerned with checking my blood. I'm just like, I'm going to follow this diet as long as I feel good. If I feel tired, I've gotten suggestions from other friends that are keto athletes and they've said, okay, add more fat to your diet. Like before you eat something, put some extra oil in it or do this. And that's actually helped me. Yeah. And then I've tried to get the, one of the hardest things to do is the intermittent fasting, which I know has great benefits and trying to eat within that eight to 10 hour window. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And most people think that, oh shit, if I'm, uh, waking up, like obviously with the coffee company, with RX coffee, I'm drinking coffee every morning. But if I start throwing MCT oil and heavy cream and butter in there, that's not fasting. That's not fasting. If I drink 100%. black coffee, it is, but you know, it is ish. It, it is ish, which I will try to drink water, but I'm going to drink coffee in the morning. I have access to some of the world's best coffee. It's going to happen. I'm just not going to add the oils and things. 100%. So for me, I, um, you know, I do, you've seen my full fat coffee. It's over a thousand calories, uh, per coffee. I don't do my coffee till about 1230, 1 PM. And that's my first meal of the day, uh, usually. So I, you know, I wake up, I go to the gym. I usually take, take my kid to school, take the 9am class. I'm drinking mostly water. I'll usually have a fit aid when I'm done with the workout. Sometimes I have it before the workout, depending on how much cardio is involved. Uh, on lift days, I don't mind. On heavy cardio days, it just gets, uh, it's just too much for me to have that kind of stuff in the morning. And then I have my full fat coffee when I get home. But this is where be be being basic became super important for me. You know, I was tracking everything that I was eating, which is uh, definitely not fun. But when I got in a pattern that I was hitting my numbers in my fitness pal every time, like every day, and then my blood was perfect every day, one week good, two weeks good, six weeks good, eight weeks good, 18 weeks good, I'm like, this is just what I eat. And I, I didn't have to measure. Right, get used and I to didn't it, have to prick my blood. I just, I can feel it. It feels like I have a furnace inside of me when I'm in ketosis. Like I feel I don't know. I can't explain it. Like I feel awesome. Now when you do, when you count the food, uh, like if you eat an avocado, right, you subtract out the dietary fiber from I it don't. and your carbs. Cause I hear different things. I hear some people don't, some people do. Cause it's really hard. I guess as long as your percentages are okay. So I'll, I'll preface it with this. I am not a doctor or a <laughs> dietitian. I don't know shit. Uh, except for I know what works best for me. So 
I calculate total carbs. When it, you know, when I say I eat like 20 carbs a day, that shit is total. Like I don't so how, subtract what, what carbs, like how are you getting enough vegetables for people that don't, if you say you're not counting the dietary fiber? I mean, if you eat a box of spinach, that's like four carbs. All right. But if you eat an avocado, what is that? Like six or seven? It's like six. There? Yeah. So if I have a fit aid and an avocado, that's my carbs for the day. Okay. And the rest is meat or oils. And the like rest that. is, is meat and oils. So the ketosis thing was amazing. Um, and then I decided to try the carnivore diet and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days, see what it's like. And then probably jump back into ketosis before doing that. I'm like the month of December, I'm just going to eat like a normal American dude. I will eat French fries and fucking cake. And how did that feel going from keto diet to eating like shit? Oh, it felt awesome. For the first six minutes <laughs> and then uh then it was terrible um i think we might have to pause this in real life i might have to walk this dude it was awesome for the first six minutes and then uh and then it you know i understand what people feel like when they walk into fma for their first time and they're intimidated and they're like oh i feel sluggish i don't think i'll have the energy you probably won't and it's because of what you eat and if it's not because of what you eat it's because of what time you go to sleep. You know, there's, there are factors that you need to gain control of if you want to reach the things that you want in life. So if your goal is you weigh 240 pounds and you, you know that you should weigh 175 pounds, let's just make decisions that are going to get us there food-wise and then let's make decisions that are going to get us there sleep-wise but, you know, the biggest factor really is, uh, you know, people getting out of their own way. And I realized that eating regular food for 30 days. I'm like, holy shit, my mindset is different. Like, I feel like I don't want to work out. I literally, my body's like, don't work out today, bro. Let's just eat cake. <laughs> and I'm like, man. Go back to getting those bowls of food. Go that back to that about. bowl of ice cream and Frosted Flakes. I should text Rip and Dip right now and ask him if he's got a bowl ready. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, that's not going to work. You know, I realize I'm like my whole life. I had all these issues. Almost all of them are dietary. Unfortunately, fortunately that I was able to figure it out and change my life. Unfortunate that it might've taken 30 plus years for me to make all those connections. And I hope that someone is listening to this and instead of fucking complaining, about how fat they are or looking for a pill on a shelf. They're like, let's go look in the mirror and have a conversation with the dude looking back at me, make some changes, take accountability for the shit that I eat, for the times I go to sleep, for how much alcohol I consume and make a change. Awesome. Let's, I want to go through the, the carnivore diet experience for 30 days and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap this uh, first podcast uh, up and then go take Mr. F for a walk. Let's do it. So carnivore diet, you started at day one. I know you posted about if anybody wants to go check out again, you can find Christian on Instagram at Christian underscore Bizzotto, B-I-Z-Z-O-T-T-O. Because I know you posted some things. If you look back on your Instagram. Uh, I did feed. have some stuff. I have like a, a YouTube video on it also because I was getting uh, I was getting some questions. And then my buddy JD, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach at American Top Team, 
he was asking about ketosis stuff. I'm like, let me throw all that into like a little YouTube video summarizing that stuff. Um, so I started the carnivore diet again, very similar to when I started ketosis. Most people told me I was going to die quickly. They're like, you're going to die. You need this, that, the other. Sometimes you feel like you're going to die because you get so much MCT oil, you go run into the bathroom to take a massive shit. <laughs> I did. Well, so, and I feel like I don't get that. And that might be because my body just uses fat more than using the, uh, you know, my body might be more proficient at using fat. I know you, everybody listening, start slow on the MCT oil. You can't go 120 milligrams yeah, on your first lightning. dose of coffee. Go running for that bathroom. Unless you're doing it sitting on the shitter, you might be good. If you're doing it as a cleanse, you could just down a bunch of MCT oil and get <laughs> It's a get different down level of butt clenching trying to make it there. It's a different level. So I, uh, I get in the carnivore diet, which is very simple. You only eat meat. You only drink water. I did cheat that, right? I did drink Fit Aid. Probably yes. not every day, but almost every day. Some days, a few cans a day. And you did drink RX coffee too because I oh, remember and, I actually reached yes. out to Dr. Sean and he, I was like, can you drink coffee? Because you thought you couldn't drink coffee. He goes, yeah, you can drink coffee. And I, I sent wasn't drinking coffee. Right yeah, I wasn't drinking coffee at first until you actually did that research. And then I got into the drinking coffee again. Um, so here's how my life started to change going from eating a regular diet for 30 days to eating an all carnivore diet. For one, I lost 10 pounds within probably the first five or six days. Mind you, I gained 13 pounds just the month of December. And was it muscle? Was it no, it was fat. Um, and, and, you know what? Oh, December. I, okay. I yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was, I was thinking the in January. I know I'm not being scientific about this shit because I don't have any actual test to say that it was fat. But the truth is I looked shitty in the mirror. My pants didn't fit well. I definitely gained 13 pounds in a very negative way the month of December. January comes around. I cut the carbs, cold turkey. I'm only eating meat. I'm only drinking water until I, you know, about two weeks into it, I started doing coffee or maybe a week into it. And like two weeks into it, I started doing the fit aid again. Um, I felt great every day. My libido was awesome or is awesome. You know, like, Definitely, if you're in a situation where, you know, you're you're not feeling your usual self, I felt 10 years younger on an all-meat diet. And recently, to circle back into this guy, I keep saying was, and really it it's, is, you know, I'm back on just eating meat, and I feel great. So here's an important thing that happened through eating just meat. I've had a, a lingering shoulder issue for over 10 years. In 2007, I was in a motorcycle accident. I broke my back. I destroyed one of my legs. And my foot and ankle was real bad. My shoulder was real bad. I've been plagued with this shoulder injury for over a decade. I've tried everything. And, you know, one of the big things was getting the inflammation down so that I could really make progress. And a lot of the inflammation we have comes from food. And I don't know where I had heard this in the past, but I had been told that eating red meat causes inflammation. Well, 
at least in my case, that is just not a fact. Eating an all-meat diet made me a better athlete in every single aspect of athleticism, period. It made me faster, stronger, but more importantly, it made me pain-free at a lot of things that bothered me a lot, like monkey bars, swinging from rings, throwing a spear, shooting my bow. All those things would negatively affect my shoulder and you know, on the carnivore diet, all those things started to just go away. But do you think that because you did it for such a small period that it could have been more placebo effect because you were also coming off that month of an awful diet going into that? Well, here's the deal, Connor. My whole life is a placebo effect. <laughs> so uh, I talk myself into shit based on, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, as long as I think it's science in my own head, I it becomes real. But the reality is I, I do 100% think there is something to us eating meat. You know, I, <clears throat> I wasn't pro or against the diet. I was just checking it out. I now feel better eating just meat. So you can do what you want with your life. The fact is that if you can put down the bread and put down the bullshit and if you tried eating, just try it. If you tried eating just meat for 30 days, it might blow your fucking mind. And I want you to write down what I just said because there's not a lot of things that you can do that will blow your fucking mind. And eating just meat could be one of those things. You might put down your Viagra or you might get a 25-year-old girlfriend. Either is a great case scenario. <laughs> All right, with that being said, you ready to wrap this bitch up? RX Coffee Podcast, Life RX, whatever the podcast is, number one, sponsored by RX Coffee. Check out Focus Movement Academy, Christian Bizzotto, Instagram, drop by the gym. Stay true to yourself. Words of inspiration. We're out. Thank you, baby. Love you, All dude. Right. That was podcast awesome. Podcast number one. That's a wrap. Let's do it.